Jake Hayner. What do you think about this kid, John? They bring him in. Kind of makes sense in terms of like Derek Carr, right? Not too far off of Derek Carr's game, his style of play, I guess, when you kind of read about the kid. What do you think about him? Uh, you you, you got to watch the prospect, not the helmet now. Just because they went to Fresno State doesn't mean that they're a <laughs> uh, similar quarterback. <laughs> but no. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined by my good friend, John Sigler. It's the Saints Wire podcast. We're brought to you by the USA Today Network. You can find us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you. Go ahead and hit subscribe if you could. John, congrats on getting through draft weekend. You guys did a hell of a job on draft wire and across the board, Saints Wire, all across the board on the wire sites. Again, congratulations. You're, you have gotten through the crazy part of this, the offseason. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man, I, I tell people this is my busiest uh, 96 hours of the year, <laughs> and I'm very, very grateful to, to be, be in this position to uh, cover the draft, to talk about Saints football so much and so often, and uh, I'm glad, glad it's behind us, and that now, now we can we can stop with the mock drafts and the speculation and the, the hypotheticals, and we, we can focus on what's actually happened and what's right in front of us. So very, very eager to move on and get deeper into the offseason. Yeah, it's fun, and, and we have a draft class to talk about. We're going to spend some time on this podcast uh, doing just that, breaking down what the Saints did. John, give us, just, just to lead us off, give us like your 30,000-foot view of this 2023 class. What do you think about it? Man, I think they got a lot of very productive players, um, lots of guys who are high-end athletes, guys who were team captains, a lot, a lot of high-character young men. Um, I, I'm a big fan of this class. I think the Saints did a good job addressing their needs without really reaching on any players. Um, and in some cases, like, they got pretty strong values. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it very favorably, very positively. Uh, of course, uh, they've got to put it together on the field. The coaching needs to be on point. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic about this Saints draft class. All right. So let's pick our way through it a little bit and just kind of talk through the Saints you know, thank thank God we did end up with a first round pick this year. Thank God, John. Right, and they just stay put. They make their pick. You know, not getting crazy this year. And I thought, uh, you know, they really they played it a little bit safer, right? They go with the defensive lineman Brian Brzee from Clemson. Is it safe to say they played it a little bit safer this year? Right, it felt like a best player available at a position of need type of strategy for them. Yeah, you know, these feel like very high floor picks for the Saints. Um, where they're getting guys who are athletic, athletically gifted, who have solid college production, um, who, who, who had leadership positions on their teams. And uh, uh, Brazil is a good example of, of all those qualities. You know, he, he was he's one of the highest graded athletes at defensive tackle in this draft class. Um, you know, he, he man, the kid was put through the ringer in college as far as injuries go, as far as personal life hurdles ha- had to go. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, lo- losing a sibling. Um, he he had a lot of challenges to overcome and he was still productive when, when he was on the field. And that's what we're looking at. And, and we, we look at his, at his injuries and his health issues. And it's not like it's anything chronic, you know, it's not like he has, um, you, you know, multiple knee injuries or anything crazy like that. Like it's, it's just, it's just bad luck. So hope, hope you hope that he can, you know, get his body right and that he'll be an asset moving forward. And I think as long as he's healthy and available, he's going to be a good player for the saints. Do you like what the Saints did there, John? You know, not moving up, not trading draft capital like we've seen in the past. You know what I mean? It did feel like when by the time the Saints did get on the on the clock on that Thursday night, it felt like you kind of could almost see where they were going, right? It came down to a few different players. They're in the early rounds, especially. They, they were very patient. Um, they were they, you know, not for lack of trying. Now they tried to trade up in round one. 
and they 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 looked at some deals and they just couldn't uh, you know get the value that they wanted from 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 navigating the board. So I, I'm happy that they, that they did not move around there early on. I'm glad they stayed put. They let the, let the board play out, and I, I felt like it worked out very favorably for them, where they had you know some very highly rated players available at each of their first two picks. So I'm happy with how it shook out. Um, you know, Brzee was not one of my top defensive tackles. There, there were other guys I like better. Um, obviously the Saints and the NFL disagreed. So I, I guess we'll see who, who, who was right uh, <laughs> as these uh, young men, as, as they start their careers. So th- there were other guys that I just felt were, you know, ha- had a healthier in- injury history or were maybe a safer um, projection to, to the, to the league. But th- obviously the Saints feel differently that they, they believe in, in Brzee. At this point, they've earned the benefit of the doubt here, and we'll see how see how he does. But uh, as far as the value of the pick and not not trading up specifically, losing other uh, resources, that, that that's an A plus in my book. Yeah, it just we spent so much energy trying to get resources back, you know, from yeah. <laughs> from, from previous trades. So yeah, so you might disagree a little bit with the Saints. Uh, you, you also disagree a little bit with some of the pundits out there, John, because this was my favorite part of the Saints draft. It was actually on day two. When uh, we learned Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, the defensive end was mm-hmm. the pick at 40, uh, 40 overall. Now, immediately I'm looking at my stupid apps on my phone, John, you know, the, the experts, the pundits who grade the draft as it goes. And uh, the one I was looking at during the draft said D plus <laughs> D plus for Isaiah <laughs> Foskey. So I'm like, oh, crap. What did the Saints do? What have they done? Uh, so I immediately go to your Twitter feed and uh John, you're you're clapping. You're you're fired up over this Foskey pick. I actually scroll a little bit down your feed, and you had basically called it. You said, "Oh, oh, just get Isaiah Foskey." After some of the things that happened before the Saints got on the clock, so you called it. You are happy about it, but why are you so high on this guy? And why is the app I'm looking at giving him a D plus? Like that, there's two different ends of the spectrum here. He was weirdly underrated throughout this whole draft process. You know, d- despite having you know tested like an elite athlete despite having produced at a very high level, he, he broke Justin Tuck's record at Notre Dame for career sacks. Um, you know, he, he was a highly productive player, high-end athlete, high-character young man. Um, and it just seems like they're, they're, these the draft media, the, these national analysts, they, they got so hyped up about the first-round prospects. And, oh, well, well, you know, sure, he only had 11 and a half sacks in, in his career, but Nolan Smith ran for 4-3. And, and it's like, okay, but let's remember what's important here. <laughs> um you, you know, that, that that's cool, that's flashy and everything, but, I you know, a fast 40 time does not necessarily make an elite prospect, but that, that you know, that's just not how the machine works, unfortunately. And I, I feel like Foskey got overlooked because of that, because even, even though he did test very well, he, he wasn't in, like, that upper echelon with, with you know, guys like Nolan Smith and Miles My, Murphy and uh, Lucas Van Ness. Um, for whatever reason, you know, you know it, look, it could be as simple as agent, agents, you know, gassing up the, their clients to, to, to uh, certain reporters. I mean, it, whatever it may be. Um, at the end of the day, Foskey is a guy who has, who is I, athletically almost identical to Marcus Davenport coming out of college, but he does not have an injury history. He is actually very good at football at this point in his career at, at, compared to Davenport coming out of school. Um, and he, and he is very passionate about the game and working on his craft and being receptive to coaching. One of the first things he said when the saints introduced him to, to local media was how excited he was to be learning from Cameron Jordan and just, just soaking up information like a sponge from, from this guy who's, who's done it forever. 
and that that speaks volumes about him and what what kind of a um, you know a pro he is. And I, I'm really high on him landing where he did with the Saints and being a big uh, contributor for them moving forwards. Well, both of these both of these defensive uh, players they got John in these first two picks are huge. You know, they're both six yeah. five. Uh, the Foskey's two hundred sixty five pounds. I'm just reading Chris Trapasso. Sorry, Chris, I don't know who you are, but you're on my CBS app here that I'm looking at. This is the guy that gave him the D plus, the Foskey pick. Uh, sturdy edge who does not play to his measured athleticism, John. Slow burst off the line. Rushes are high and lack leverage. Pass rush move. Arsenal lacking. Better edge setter than pass rusher. This is way too early, but I just want to throw it into the universe. I trust John Sigler. He, I, I'm going with your analysis, John. So I'm going to go with you on this pick, but yeah, it was just it was just kind of wild to me during the draft to see the grades or the analysis on the player just so all over the place. But uh, the Saints certainly their board it looks like a little bit different than some of the other ones, which that doesn't always mean it's a bad thing. I kind of like it when teams identify their guys and just go get them. So uh, yeah, so it doesn't mean it's a bad pick by any means, but it was it was funny to see how all over the place the grades were, especially with. Uh, uh, Chris here on the CBS Sports app. D plus. Wow, that is aggressive to give uh, a team a D plus that early in the draft. Whew. But hey, he did give my Patriots an F for uh, trading up for a kicker in the fourth round. So, you know, he at least he was consistent. Uh, an- another <laughs> another part of this draft for the Saints that was super interesting to me was their third round pick when they took Kendra Miller, the running back out of TCU. Not a surprising pick at all, John, right? With uh, Alvin Kamara's availability and in- serious limbo here. Uh, and another part of it that was interesting is it really kicked off a run of running backs, right? We saw Tajay Spears go 10 picks later to the, I think the Titans traded up to get him. And we had talked about Tajay, uh, Tajay Spears quite a bit on this show. He, he was a player that we liked. Uh, Devin Ashane went to the uh, the Dolphins, I'm sorry, at 84 overall. He was a player that the Saints brought in for a, a visit. Auburn's Tank Bigsby at number 88 went to the Jaguars. So the Saints had a bunch of options at this spot at running back. They went with Miller. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it makes sense because he was the closest thing to the athletic prototype they look for there. You know, as far as being somebody with size who can move, um, who is, you know, very effective in college. You know, look, I know that Tajay Spears has a lot of fans uh, in, in New Orleans, especially. Uh, and I know that he wanted to go to the Saints very badly. Um, but his, with his medical history, I just don't think that was going to, I just don't think that was realistic. I don't think it was going to happen. Um, you know, he's had several knee injuries. There, there was a report after the draft that he doesn't even have an ACL in one of his knees because of these injuries. Um, and he's going to have a, he's, you know, predicted to have a very short uh, pro career because of it, which I think is just terrible news. Very unfortunate. Um, cause he's such an exciting player for the green wave last year, um, Hopefully he beats those expectations, but I just don't think the Saints were going to invest in someone with, with that his, that medical history, um, with that kind of a, a, a very limited projection to the pros. So they went with Kendry Miller instead. And, you know, ironically, he's also recovering from an injury right now, um, but he's expected to be ready for camp. It's not that serious. Um, it did keep him out of the nas- out of the uh, college football national title game with, with TCU, but he was a big reason they even got there in the first place. You know, he scored 17 touchdowns in 14 games. Um, he was, he's a very powerful runner. He, he had, you know, he has real home run speed in the open field that nobody else on the roster has right now. I, I know that Alvin Kamara does just fantastical things every week, it seems, uh, but he is not the straight line, you know, speedster that Miller is. And I think this rookie is going to be, you know, 
he, he's going to be he's going to be special. I, I'm very high, high on this player, um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how things shake out at the, for the Saints at running back. You know, given all of the additions that they've made, so you know, with him and Jamal Williams behind AK, you know, if Kamara misses time, I think that's a really strong duo to lean on, and I'm I'm really excited to see how they do. So, yeah, you know, just given the options available, I, I do think that he was probably the top player on the Saints board at that point. And it makes a lot of sense that that's where they that's where he wound up. People talk about positional value a ton when it comes to the draft, right, John? I know people were giving the Falcons all kinds of crap for picking oh, John yeah. Robinson, the Lions, the Lions and, especially. Yeah, the, the, the nerds were fuming, man. Yeah, the, 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 the nerds were so upset. Yeah, I love to see it. The nerds were very upset. And then when the 49ers picked a kicker in the top 100 and the Patriots traded up in the fourth round for a kicker, then all hell broke loose, I think. Uh, <laughs> it just things got wild. But especially with the running backs going that early, uh, especially Jameer Gibbs. So you just mentioned Jamal Williams, who just is coming off this excellent season with the Lions. He was awesome last year. I, I, I just like yeah. such a great pickup by the Saints. It's it's great that he's here. Are you happy with Kendra Miller? Did you think that was too soon? Did you think it was just right? I was looking at him in that in that same level of, of prospects with like De- Devin Shane and Dajay Spears and those guys. Um, and the Saints decided he was the best of the bunch. So yeah, if, look, if that's their pick. Then. More power, more power. Because I, I don't have a, I don't have a, a, a stake in it one way or another. True. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But I did feel like that was a good value for a running back. I know the Saints were looking really hard at prospects uh, going projected to go in that range, that, that rounds three, four, five. Uh, they, they, they brought multiple players into the facility for visits, and Miller was one of them. He he made, he, he was one of those top thirty visits for the Saints. So clearly, they're comfortable with the medicals, the projection there. He has some things he needs to work on. He he was not asked to play a lot of passing downs in college. Um, he he doesn't have a lot of experience uh, picking up the blitz or running routes. But from what he did do, the Saints are pretty confident. Uh, Dennis Allen said that they're very confident that he'll be able to do well in that role um, once it's become a, a larger part of his game. So he, he, that's some he's going to develop there a bit. But as for the here and now, if it, look if he can just be a you know a, a positive spark in the offense and get the running game going, to me, that feels like a great big. Yeah, and, and I think they nailed it just because running backs, like we mentioned earlier, just started flying off the board afterwards. So they, I think value-wise, they did nail it. And they did that quite a bit in this draft, right? So one thing that I think is now kind of fun, this is one of my things I'm going to start watching more often in the drafts, is these teams that pull off a trade for the first pick of one of the days, right? Either it's day two or day three. The Saints made a trade to get the first pick of day three. Uh, so that was pick 103, round four. They picked uh, the the interior offensive lineman out of Old Dominion, Nick Saldaviri. Oh, man. I should have practiced these names, John. What am I doing? <laughs> that was good. That was good. But was that a shocker to you? They, they pull off this trade. They vault to that first pick in round four. And that's a coveted spot because, and I, I never really thought about this before, but it makes a ton of sense. Teams love to be in these spots because you have time, right? You, you can get up there. You have time. You're not on the clock. You can really you know, be deliberate on how you want to make that selection and how the rest of your board might look going forward. You can kind of plan things. You kind of dictate things a little bit. I thought that was kind of fun. They pick, uh, they pick this kid out of old dominion and then all, all of a sudden a bunch of interior alignments start going off the board as well. Right. Six of them were picked by the time the saints turn came again. Like what was it? 10, 12 picks later. So, yeah, yeah so there, there, there that were was wild. Offensive line. There were, including Sadaviri, there were 10 offensive linemen picked in the first 20 selections uh, on day three. So, yeah, you know, the Saints, 
just like with Miller, they, they correctly read the board and the way, the way, you know, the, the way the wind was blowing, <laughs> um, it was blowing the Saints way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To get an idea of w- uh, which positions were about to, to um, go off the board. And they felt that Saldaviri was their highest graded offensive lineman. And then they made a move to go get him. So, Hey, I applaud that. Go. If, 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 he, if he's your guy, go get him. Hope it works out. And he does seem to be a very, a very talented prospect. You know, he, he, just like the, just like these other guys we've talked about. He's a high end athlete. Uh, he, he's very, he's very gifted athletically. Uh, he was a team captain at, in, in college. He, he was a leader, um, and he he has a ton of experience. I mean, I think he's had you know over three thousand snaps or, or something like that. Um, mostly at right tackle in college. He's probably going to move inside the guard with the Saints, uh, but but that's okay. Look, as long as he's as long as he's playing a lot of a lot of snaps and being a productive player and being a positive influence on the offense, it, it's a good pick. I, I'm, I don't I don't get as obsessed with the positional value um, as uh, the nerds like to talk about and to to and this uh, relative value exchange and wins above replacement, and all this garbage. Like no, if if the players you're drafting are doing well and playing a lot of snaps, it's it's, it's a good pick, and that's the end of it to me. So I. I I, I'm, I do like Saldaviri from, from what I've seen of him. I think he's going to be a, be a productive uh, member of the offensive line. I just don't know how much we're going to see from him this year. Hopefully not much, because that would mean that the guys ahead of him on the death chart are all healthy and staying on the field. Jake Hayner, what do you think about this kid, John? They bring him in. Kind of makes sense in terms of like Derek Carr, right? Not too far off of Derek Carr's game, his style of play, I guess, when you kind of read about the kid. What do you think about him? Uh, you you, you got to watch the prospect, not the helmet. Now, just because they went to Fresno State doesn't mean that they're <laughs> uh, similar quarterback. <laughs> but no, no, no. The, you know, both of these guys are pocket are traditional pocket passers. Uh, they're very aggressive, very confident. Uh, there are some similarities there, and they're very accurate uh, throwers as well. And I like Hayner a lot. I like him the most out of that um, that mid round tier of quarterbacks. You know, guys, you know, in, in that, that look, that's another spot where the Saints traded up for him because they saw a run on quarterbacks coming. And that's exactly what happened here, where I, I believe six of them were picked in like the next uh, 12 or 15 selections or something, something crazy like that. Um, but no, I like Tanner a lot. Uh, he, he's very he plays the game with a lot of confidence, a lot of aggression. Um, he, he believes he can make any throw asked of him and he's not afraid to challenge a defense and. You know, at times he was doing it alone for Fresno State in the last few years. Uh, he he, you watch these games and you see him playing through injury and ma- making just crazy throws and you know averaging 400 yards a game for, for weeks in a row. And he's a really impressive uh, pr- pr- prospect. And you know, I'm glad the Saints got him. I, I I don't know that he'll ever be more than a backup, a spot starter, um, but. You know, once upon a time, that was the expectation for guys like Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins as well. So maybe he can rise above his draft status and uh, be be a productive player for New Orleans one day. All right. And then they round out the draft with um, a safety for Minnesota. Sounds like this kid was he's lauded by a lot of people as one of the best tackling defensive backs of the entire draft class, John. So. Um, how did there? I I believe he only missed two tackles all last season uh, at Pro Football Focus. That is. Yeah. Yeah, so Jordan Howden, that there's a lot to like there, and then they rounded out in round six with a wide receiver who, and so so At Perry from Wake Forest comes in, big receiver. I mean, kind of kind of looks like a tight end when you, when you watch you know pull up some of the the tape on him, right? 
And it's a good thing he looks like a tight end because the Saints uh, got rid of one of their tight ends as they made this selection in Adam Troutman, right? Which we'll get to here. But uh, yeah, give us give us a little something on those two players that rounded out this class, uh, Howden and Perry. Yeah, Howden is someone else that I like a lot more than the draft media tends to. Um, he, man, he, he is just a very highly experienced uh, slot defender at Minnesota. Uh, he's a former walk-on, but he is a very, very good athlete. Uh, he, he moves very well on the back end, um, especially in a tight space. You know, he, I, I called it when the Saints drafted him. We'll see if I was right, see if I was close. Uh, but I, I said he's going to be competing for the starting job in the slot uh, from day one. Like he, he's going to be pushing Bradley Roby and Ugo Amadi for that role. And I really feel like he could be the guy that the Saints have been looking for ever since they moved on from uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson last summer. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I, I thought he was a very productive player at Minnesota. He, he, he looks to me like P.J. Williams, uh, but with a bit more juice. He, he's a little more athletic. He, he he's moves a bit more easily. Um I really like this pick, and I think he's going to do well. Uh, but, but but we'll see. You know, the, the Saints have drafted guys before that I, that I was high on that didn't work out. Uh, but as for A.T. Perry, that, that is another one where, you know, all, all these draft nicks, they, they, they said he was going to be like a, a top 100. He was, he was a consensus top 100 uh, prospect, uh, third third rounder. Uh, very was very common projection for him, and he falls to round six. So that that's when the Saints traded up to get him. And he is, like you said, he, he is rail thin. Um, he, he's, he's going to need to put on some weight. Um, but we've seen players like, like him do well before, you know, you talk about like Brandon Coleman, um, Marcus Colson coming out of school was kind of similar. Um, so maybe he can, maybe he can do well. He, I think that he'll need to line up in the slot a bit, um, just to where that there, there's an element of physicality that's missing from his game where he, he's not a great blocker. Um, he doesn't really, you know, fight for yards after the catch as, strongly as you would like some of his size to be. Uh, but I do think he's going to be, um, yeah, you know, I think he's going to be a, be a, be a good, a, a good productive player for the saints. I, I think he's going to outplay his draft positioning. Um, it, it, it's kind of odd that he fell as low, low as he did. Uh, but a, after the draft, when, when, when he was being introduced to the media here in New Orleans, he says that um, from what he heard, there were character concerns um, he, he says that he's, he's kind of quiet. Uh, he's not really a rah-rah guy, but he, and maybe th- that may have rubbed some teams the wrong way. I mean, that, that kinda, that's kind of what happened with Colston too, where, where he, we, you know, Saints fans called him the quiet storm, but NFL teams were, were like, we can't get a read on this guy because he doesn't say anything. <laughs> and maybe that's the case for, for uh, AT Perry as well. We'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see there. Uh, but the Saints have a lot of receivers now, and I think he's a good one, and I think he has a good chance at uh, hanging on in this receiving core. Yeah, could help could help Carr just in terms of like contested balls, right? Can get up there, high high point it, tall guy, six five. So never never bad to have uh yeah big ass receivers, right, John? Or or tall ones at least. So, you know, the Saints they didn't they didn't hit maybe every single need on the roster that we talked about, uh, you know, in the episodes preceding the draft, but I thought they knocked out most of the big ones, right? Uh so it's it's hard to knock too much of this draft. I think they did they did hit some needs, uh, you know, did some things that I think, you know, maybe people saw coming, maybe a few surprises as well. So it's going to be a fun class. See how this works out. But I think you gave them an official grade of A minus, right? That was your official grade on Saints Wire? Yeah, it was like an A minus, a B plus, something like that. You know, I, I would have liked to see them 
get one of those uh, tight ends that we talked so much about going into the draft. I would have liked to see them get a linebacker that can, you know, hopefully replace Demario Davis in a few years. Uh, they weren't able to do everything that they wanted to. The, and I, I think some more moves are coming on, on those fronts uh, here in the, here in, in the, yeah, here in the, here in the weeks ahead. Um, but yeah, man, like this was, this was a very solid draft to me. You know, I said on Twitter, if nothing else, the, the, the vibes surrounding this draft are much better than what we've had before where guys actually have stats that we can look up <laughs> and they have games that we can watch and we're not saying, okay, well, whenever he's healthy, maybe he'll be a player um, or hopefully he can make the roster or, you know, hopefully he'll be active on game days. Like that's not what's happening here. We're, we're saying, okay, what is the ceiling for these guys rather than asking, you know, where their floor is. So yeah, the, the Saints accomplished their goals. You know, they they got bigger, they got faster along the defensive line, uh, they got deeper in the secondary, uh, they, they got the big play threat at running back, they got this uh, a quarterback they can develop as a long term backup for De- for Derek Carr. So from where they're standing, you know, they, they knocked out almost everything they wanted to do. So we'll, we'll see if they can follow that up with some more moves here in free agency now that the uh, comp picks deadline is behind us. Yeah, exactly. Now you you start to see another wave in that free agency, right? The post draft mm-hmm. wave. And it'll be interesting to see what the Saints are doing um, there. You know, one name to watch is Foster Moreau, right? It was a name that was pretty popular for the Saints, you know, given that, you know, obviously he has a, a great camaraderie with Derek Carr from their time in Vegas together. But Foster Moreau has been uh, battling lymphoma for the last few months. And it sounds like he thinks he's going to be able to play, John. The question is when, you know, when will he be in football shape? When will he be fully recovered for that? So that, that's been a popular question among Saints fans, right, is, uh, could the Saints still be in on Foster Moreau? Could he come in and help the team? Um, you know, so we mentioned Adam Troutman there, which we'll get to next. But uh, what do you think? What's 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 your gut tell you about the Foster Moreau situation? And and do you think the Saints could still be in on that player? Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that developing further. Um, <clears throat> like you said, it really depends on his health and what the doctors are saying and what what his timeline looks like. From what he said, uh, he he went on Good Morning America a few weeks ago, about a month ago now. And from what he said, then he, he anticipates being medically cleared by October and then he'll need about a month to get in, into game shape at, at that point, at, you know, after going through, you know, gosh, c- cancer treatment and, and literally fighting for his life. And and he, he's very optimistic about this and uh, he, he fully anticipates being able to return to, to the field at some points uh, this year, potentially. Um, so hopefully that works out for him. But, but as far as where the Saints stand, I think that would make a lot of sense because if that is still his timeline, then what they would hypothetically, what they would do is they would sign him now, get his signing bonus and set up a structure where he, he gets a couple hundred thousand dollars or so to, to last him through uh, treatment and you know, everything, all the hurdles ahead of him while, while putting him on the non-football injury list, which means he wouldn't count against the salary cap. Um, now, if, if his timeline still has him being cleared by October, that would that would line up with the <clears throat> excuse me with the deadline to activate players from the from the non football injury list, and then he would have some time to practice with the team, get into shape, and then he would probably be ready to go by by Thanksgiving. Now, that that is you know just one <laughs> hypothetical projection here. I'm not saying that the Saints are going to sign him. I'm not saying he's going to even be able to play this year if they do. Uh, that's one scenario that does feel kind of realistic and I could see that playing out and I could see that, you know, working out well for everybody. However, because he wouldn't be available until, you know, more than halfway through the, through the regular season, the saints would need another player. They need another tight end with or without him. 
Uh, one guy I'm watching is Jeff Swain. Uh, for, he, he played for the Titans the last few years. Uh, he, he's their blocking specialist, and that's what the Saints need. They need a blocking tight end who can free up Juwan Johnson to be that receiving threat, that, that Darren Waller style of uh, target for Derek Carr. So that's what I'm watching here here to see if anything that develops on that front. Um, the Saints, you know, th- th- I think they, they would need they need another tight end with or without Foster Moreau. I think the best case scenario would be to sign him and another player who can at least bridge that gap until he's available um, or just hold it, hold down that job in, in case he needs more time, which could very well be, be the case. Yeah, because the backup to Jawan Johnson right now, John, is Taysom Hill, right? <laughs> it's, it's allegedly, like, yeah, allegedly, it's Taysom. You know, you know I, 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 I talk about this a lot lately. <laughs> um, Taysom, you know, he he played more. He he had more rushing attempts as a quarterback than snaps played as an inline tight end last year. Like he may be listed at tight end. Uh, that may be where, if you go and look at the depth chart, that that may be where he is. But that is not his role. That is not what he does for this team. Um, Man, I have just been arguing with uh, some people who just don't get that on on, uh, on social media and at crawfish boils over the last few weeks. Man, it's a very uh, touchy subject for me. Well, I'm I'm just surprised he's not in Denver. You know, I thought he'd be yeah, in Denver yeah, right now, right? Uh, I thought Sean Payton would have sprung a trade at some point here, but no, it's it's for Adam Troutman. That's that's who Sean Payton brought brings into Denver. Yeah, which basically, is, the same guy. I mean, yeah, same player, <laughs> same productive player for the Saints. So. Let's end it here, John. I, I definitely want to get your take on the Troutman situation. Uh, it sounds like this thing has been like stewing behind the scenes. Maybe, you know, maybe if Adam Troutman was a more high-profile player, we would have heard about it more. You know, maybe it would got picked up nationally. But I think this thing's been kind of happening behind the scenes. We didn't really know about it. But yeah, you, know, you read some of the quotes that have come out since he got moved to Denver, uh, and this happened on over the weekend on day three of the draft. Yep. I feel like I was placed somewhat in a box, he says. Uh, they put a limit on what I could contribute. I felt like I contribute, could, sorry, could contribute a lot more. Primarily, I was used as a blocker. I thought I could do more. and I didn't want to get to the end of my career and think I could have caught the ball a little bit more. So he also says he initiated a trade to get him out of there. Right, John? So what's your take on the Adam Troutman uh, mess, <laughs> fiasco, whatever you want yeah, to call man. it? I, look. I get it from his perspective. You know, he's someone who who was playing uh, D1 ball at Dayton and was, you know, putting up this massive receiving numbers every week. And then he gets to the NFL and all of a sudden he's not doing that. And rather than, you know, be introspective a bit and be like, oh, well, I don't have the the speed to separate from these guys at the pro level. It's well, it's, it's the, the, the system I'm in. That's the issue here. That's the problem here. Um, <laughs> and I, I need to get out of this offense and get somewhere that is going to better maximize my talents and put me in a position to make a play and then everything will be fine. And, you know, he, he ended up in Denver, which is going to be running the exact same offense with the exact same role for him that the saints design that they were using here in New Orleans. So, (laughs) you know, good good luck to him, man. You know, look, it, it sounds a little delusional of him. You know, you know, I, I know that, I know that can be, that could, you know, that sounds very negative, but it's not like he didn't have opportunities in New Orleans. You know, he had too many drop passes, he, you know, committed too many penalties to, to to see too heavy of a snap count. And he was outplayed by, you know, an undrafted wide receiver who converted to tight end in Jawan Johnson. So he uh, he kind of only has himself to blame here. You know, if he had pl- if he had been more effective with the snaps that he was given, then it would have worked. Then I think things would have worked out very differently for him here. But, you know, as far as the Saints are concerned, uh, the saga is over. 
the saga is over and the Saints need a tight end. So that'll be one to watch, right? Whether it's Foster Moreau or, or somebody else. Uh, definitely need another tight end on the roster now with Troutman in Denver. That was an interesting little story that popped up out of nowhere <laughs> over the weekend. It's like, what? <laughs> what? Troutman wants a yeah. trade, huh? Yeah, so. apparently he requested it back in February. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, no one really cared enough to air it out and, oh. and, until, until it happens. So fascinating hey, it, 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 it look it is what it is he, he, he's a bronco at perry is a saint and hopefully they both do well in, in their new digs 100 so what do you look forward to now john most are you looking forward to like rookie minicamp most are you looking forward to schedule day which is coming up like what's what's on your radar now yeah man so we've got rookie minicamps coming up soon and that's going to be a big opportunity for a lot of these undrafted free agents to kind of stand out show what they can do um, I'm looking at some of the guys the Saints com- committed a lot of money to, like uh, Infer- Infernee uh, Orgy, uh, the, the Landerbilt from <laughs> the linebacker from Vanderbilt, excuse me. <laughs> um, we've got Shaquan Davis, the receiver from South Carolina State. Uh, one player I'm really hyped for, I'm, I'm really, ex- the, the more I look into this kid, the more excited I am for him, is uh, Malik Flowers, a return ace from Montana. He tied Rashid Shahid's NCAA record for. Uh, a kick return touchdowns in college in the big sky conference. So I, I think he's in a great, he's he has a great chance at making this team. If he can be a, a, a good player in the return game for, for, for the saints, because I don't know how they give a role. Uh, Shahid is going to have on special teams. If um, he's expected to be starting games in the fall. So that, that's someone I'm really hyped for. And, and then, like we said, you know, the, the comp picks deadline is behind us. There's been a new wave of free agent signings. Kind of want to see what the saints do on that front. So it's not going to be slowing down just because the draft is over. No, but in all seriousness, John, uh, congratulations on what you and the team accomplished at Saints Wire uh, throughout the weekend, man. It's uh, it's amazing to see those stories go up, how fast they go up in real time. It's like, how did they, how did they do that so fast? And also, it's just a good product. You go on the Saints Wire site, you click on the story. There's no pop-up in your face. You don't have to log into anything. It's just you, you click in, you click, you read, you move on with your life. It's a great product. You guys are doing a great job over on Saints Wire. Just got to give you a little shameless plug there. Uh, really appreciate that, sure. man. Look, look, a lot of that is, is on preparation on our team. Uh, shouts out to uh, Dylan Sanders, Matty Hudak, um, our graphics team, uh, Coley and, and his crew. Um, yeah, man, look, this was my uh, draft number, I believe it's number six uh, here at Saints Wire. And uh, look, here's to uh, six more. Absolutely. Was Matty okay when Ty J Spears wasn't the pick? That's oh, seventy one. She, she, she was a little. She was a little upset, but the, but then the Saints got Tulane linebacker um, uh, Nick Anderson from from Tulane the next day. Uh, he, he was actually <laughs> he was on the phone with uh, Pete Carroll. For, he was trying to recruit him to the Seahawks, and he said, "Hey, man, the Saints are calling. I I, I got to stay. I got to stay here." <laughs> Love that. And uh, that's all she wrote. So yeah, Matt, 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 Maddie's doing well. She she was kind of bummed about uh, Tajay not not getting in, but Nick Anderson is staying in New Orleans. Uh, that that's you know much more than a consolation prize to her. So we're, we're happy for all, for all the greenies this week. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, congrats to the whole team for States wire. Um, and for John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on the pod as always. We appreciate you and we will catch you later this off season. This USA today sports podcast has been presented by USA today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.